Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys and dogs. Welcome to another TRC broadcast. I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and I am welcoming you here to another exciting adventure in the Word of God. We are so excited that you guys chose to join us this morning. We want to give a shout out to all of you who are guests, e-members, Total Restoration members. We are family, friends, we love you guys, and we're so delighted that you are here with us this morning. Um, I can't say enough about uh, the work that has gone into even the building of this church during this pandemic. There's a lot of things that's been happening. You guys have been keeping it together. We thank God for all of you that have gone over and above for the betterment of the kingdom. So we thank you again. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're excited about what we're going to talk about this morning. So without any further ado, let's get right on into the word of God. Uh, we thank God this morning for an anointing on your ears, anointing that you will hear, anointing that you will comprehend, an anointing that you will see into the spirit, the things that God wants you to hear and see. So this morning, we're going to be talking about waging war in the mind, waging war in the mind. You know, that is one of the most critical points in our lives is how we process our thought life. Your thought life is so, so beneficial or detrimental depending on how you use it. And some things can happen without you even realizing that you are setting yourself into a pattern. This morning we're going to talk about this war. This war is 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 the mind is the battlefield for it. We've heard so many uh, lessons about the battlefield of the mind. I can tell you right now, your success or lack of it has everything to do with how you process information. Now, let us begin looking. Um, we're going to go in Genesis because I want to establish a thought here. But uh, the weapons that are normally used against your thought process, the weapons that are used in order to impede your thinking is normally a worry, doubt, confusion, depression, anger, condemnation, unforgiveness. All of these things has a tendency to get in and infiltrate your thought process in order to keep you from being the best that you could possibly be. And a lot of people don't really understand that it is their thought process uh, that is holding them back. Many times you see it as a person. You see it as a situation. You see it as some circumstance that has built in your life that is holding you back. But many times it starts right here. This is what holds us back. We're going to look at this. Uh, one thing I want you to understand that in the garden, the fall of man caused a disorder. The Bible says that man is a spirit. He, 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 has, a, he has a soul and he lives in a body. Did you get that? Man is a spirit. According to Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our own image 
after our own likeness, which means exact duplication in kind. I think it's John 4, 24, said God is a spirit. So it was made in God's image. So man is a spirit. Man possesses a soul, which is comprised of your will, your mind, and your emotion. And in order to qualify you to operate in this realm, you live in a body. Now, did you understand that? So now that we understand how we were comprised and how we were we were put together, let's go to Genesis chapter three. I want to read a scripture with a couple of scriptures so we can get an understanding on exactly how all this happened. In Genesis uh, chapter three, we know that God was issuing all of the mandates out to man after he was created and put in the garden in order to keep it. We understand about he was given dominion. He was given authority, uh, dominion is authority exercised. And so we understand that he was given all these things, but now let's pick it up in uh, verse one. The Bible says of Genesis three, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field in which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of, of, the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And then Satan came back and said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God know that in the day that you eat of this fruit, that you shall become gods like he is, and you are no good and evil. Now, what I want to establish here is the fact that we know the story. We know that Eve went on and partook of the fruit. We, we understand that. We know that the Bible says that she gave it with her husband who was with her. So again, he was not deceived. He was seduced. All right. And so when she gave that fruit to him, the first attack that we see that came against man in the garden was against their thought life. And Satan has been doing that ever since with the power of suggestion. He will bring these thoughts to you, thoughts that will cause you to diminish in your authority, thoughts that will cause you to diminish in your godlikeness, thoughts that will cause you to diminish in your dominion, thoughts that will cause you to dominion uh, diminish in every area of your life through the power of suggestion. He will introduce himself to you as a thought. And the minute you entertain that thought, it becomes part of your makeup. It will somehow become little fragments of information that build up in you to become who you are. And it will eventually embed itself into you until it becomes your beliefs system. Are you listening to me? Now, let us continue to look. So he came against her thought process to confuse her between what's right and what's wrong. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, the things that I, I would do, I do not. The things that I do not do, that's what I do. He said, you know, he went through this process of I'm always doing something contradictory to what I'm supposed to do. That's because there was a war that had ensued in his mind 
and he had to battle against the flesh and the spirit. Are you listening? Now, let's go on and look at this. He calls her to question her identity. He said, you know, it's not enough that God has given you authority and dominion over everything. But if you eat of this fruit, you can rise to a higher level. You can be just like him. You can be God's. Now what we see is the element of pride was introduced. She was not satisfied, nor was she content being who God made her. She wanted to be more. She wanted to rise above that level and become more. And that's what pride does. It always convinces you that you are more than what you are. Are you listening? There's nothing wrong with thinking highly to a certain degree and having self-respect and self-honor. But sometimes we like to live in an arena that's only imaginary. It's that arena that we have not yet arrived uh, to. So it's easier to visit that. That's what makes uh, platforms like Instagram and Facebook and all these so popular is because you can actually rise to a level of notoriety and become something that you really haven't earned. Oh, well, I'm just saying, you know, if you if you look at some of our uh, uh, profiles, I mean, you would think we were doctors and lawyers and you would think that we were all these other things that you could have been if you had done the work. If you had gone to school, if you had done all of the things that it took, but it's so easy to just write it down and say, this is who I am and convince other people. So that's what pride does. Pride raises you to a level uh, that that uh, that's undeserved. Are you listening to me? Now, let's continue to move on. So through the fall, the order was disrupted. And that's where the argument ensued. The order was disrupted. Man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. But when man sinned, the Lord told him the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Well, we know that later there was Cain, there was Abel. So did he die? If he did, how did he die? He died spiritually. His spirit became subordinate to his selfish desires. Self rose to the throne and began to lead man and began to tell man, this is how we do it from this point on. And so his spirit being dead had no more authority or power over him. And it became subordinate and his flesh began to reign through the disruption of his mind. See, that's what it does is when your mind is out of order, it will give your flesh all kinds of license to do all kinds of things that is totally against the will of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight and verse seven, it says that the cardinal mind is enmity against God. What it's saying is, is that your cardinal mind or your mind without spiritual balance is hostile against God. It's angry against God. It is mad against God. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So this is this is what happened. We are to then cause that order. And through Jesus' sacrifice, he is coming back to restore that order. 
restore the order so we can be led in a way that would please God. Now, if you go to Philippians chapter two, uh, I'm going to read a scripture here that uh, is very, very familiar uh, with, with, with you Bible scholars. Philippians chapter two. And the Bible says, well, I can start it. I wasn't going to start here, but I will start at verse three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on the thing on, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind, or you look, let the mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The very fact that it said let simply implies to me, you must allow. There is a resistance for the mind of Christ to operate in you in the way that your composition is after the fall. There is a hostility. You know, there are some people right now, and you know it as well as I do. If you start talking to them about the word of God, the very thing that can help them. Remember the Bible says in Luke, the fourth chapter and verse 18, where uh, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to open blind eyes, to set at liberty them that are bruised, uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. All of these things can help humanity. But isn't it amazing that when you hear the gospel, sometimes it agitates you. Sometimes it irritates you. The very thing that can help you, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear anybody talking about it. You don't want anybody to bring it up. You know what that is? That's your cardinal mind fighting against the order of God. That's because your flesh has been in control so long and so much until your flesh starts to shut down your thinking process and tell you, we don't want to hear no more about this God stuff. Are you listening? And it happens to all of us sometimes, some more than others. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying? But if you get to a place where you can't stand to hear the word of God or someone to, you know, we like to say it in a way that with a, with a negative connotation, I don't want nobody to preach to me right now. It's not so much you don't want to hear anybody preach to you. You don't want to hear the word of God. That is the only thing that can help you. The Bible says that a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Why? Because the thing you are offended at is the only thing that can help you. Are you listening? Now, let this mind being you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the key to letting this mind being you is to adopt a new standard of thinking. You must finally allow an access point. You know, if you got uh, in your house, if you have internet, wherever your router or modem is, it's your access point. Everything goes back to that. 
What you need to do is develop a new access point that you judge everything by the word. The Bible says the spiritual man judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. What the Bible is saying is, is that we can't believe what we see. We can't believe what we hear. We can't believe these things. We must have something, according to Romans, uh, that is an anchor to our soul. An anchor to our soul. Remember, your will, your mind, your emotions. An anchor is the thing that keeps you stable. Even when the wind is blowing, the winds and storms of life are blowing. However, the word of God becomes an anchor. It is the only sure thing. It is the only thing you can really believe in. That's why the Bible says, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, 18, while we look not at the things that are seen, because they are temporary. And the reason why they are temporary, because the things that are seen are true. And anything that's true will change. But the truth stands forever. The truth is an anchor. Are you listening? That's the only thing you can rely on is the truth. So here what I'm saying is the word has to be an anchor. And one thing I learned when I was out there in the world, I lost confidence in so many things and in so many people and people told me so many lies and, you know, it'll have you reeling backwards and forward. When I found out that God is not a man that he should lie. When I found out it's impossible to lie. Then I made a decision right then that I wanted to put my trust in God because he's the only one that's not going to lie. You know, we have circumstantial lies. We we'll just tell a lie when we feel like we need to. God won't lie. Are you listening? You can be under pressure and just tell a lie. It can be inconvenient. You just tell a lie. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the nature. St. John chapter 8, 44, Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees, ye of your father the devil, and the lust of your father he would do. For he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And that is a nature. Are you listening? But God won't lie. So when you understand that God won't lie, why don't you put your trust in something you know is certain, something you know is sure? Are you listening? That becomes an anchor that keeps your mind from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It causes maturity. And when that maturation process is over, you will find that you have been conformed to the image of your son. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So in order for this to happen, the mind that is in you, you got to understand the Bible says, here's the mind that was in Christ. He took on the form of a servant. In order for the mind to be in you that was in Christ Jesus, it requires a certain amount of humility. An enormous amount of humility. The Bible says, do nothing through strife or vainglory. Don't try to, you know, put yourself and impress yourself and impress others. It says that you've got to have a, an amount of humility. Are you listening? And then it says that it requires submission and surrender. That is the hardest thing to do with an element of pride, submission and humility. 
it's hard for us to humble ourselves when pride is operating in you. You have to understand something. Truth, I said before, is the highest authority. There is no authority higher than truth. Not what is true. What is true is fleeting and but for a moment. But truth, when you get a hold to truth, when you get a hold to that word of God, you are on a stable platform that cannot go down because the Bible says that his word is forever settled. You know, you be in your house late at night and you start hearing creepy sounds and stuff like that. It's your house settling because it hasn't finished settling. It's on a foundation that is not solid. So it's still settling. Over time, it will continue to settle. The word is not like that. The word does not compromise. It does not continue to settle. It does not become convenient. It is what it is. You walk it or you don't. You can talk it, but if you don't walk it, you will continue to settle and compromise. Are you listening? You must become a servant. That the Bible says that, you know, that being a servant is a, is, is a sign of walking in the word of God and in the love of God. Jesus said, hey, I, you know, you call me your master and I am, but I have humbled myself to serve you. And the Bible says the greatest among you, let him be servant of all. People these days, because they're self-so-imposing, can't stand to serve. Serving is a sign of greatness. Some people, one thing we pride more than anything is don't tap into my private time. Don't you bother my private time. If I got five minutes to sit back, don't you come bother me. People don't want to be, uh, they don't, they don't want to be uh, impositioned. But the Bible says, let the greatest of you be servant of all. It's not how many people you can get to serve you. How many people do you serve is what makes you great in the kingdom. And it takes humility. It says, I can serve you without demeaning myself. I can serve you without feeling less than you. I can serve you without feeling I'm under you. I can serve you without feeling that I'm intimidated by you. I can serve you because I'm built like that. I can serve you because I'm confident in who I am. I am built like that. I'm made up like my father. I can serve you and it don't take nothing away from me. I'm not coming to impress you with my presence. But you sure will feel my absence. Because <laughs> I'm a servant and everybody won't serve. You know, you got some people like to sit back and call all the shots. But they won't serve you. A servant. You can't serve. You got to get up off the floor. You got to get up off the couch to serve somebody. But now let's go ahead and make this thing plain. You must become a servant of the word. You must become a servant 
of the word. What does that mean? The word must become your master. Are you listening to me? You must become a servant of the word. This is the thing that I think that really gets people is because people see it too much like I'm serving a person. But when you serve the word, see, you have to serve the word. What you hear from the word of God will cause you to become a servant. If the Bible tells you to love believes the best, then you have to, you have to follow that word. You have to become a servant of the word. We got too many private investigators in the body of Christ. We always think we know what everybody is doing and what everybody is thinking. But you need to know what God is thinking. That's how you become a servant of the word. You know, people, people will have an issue with you when all you want to do is make God happy. Because when you make God happy, you won't always make people happy. I'll say that again. When you make God happy, you won't always make people happy. Why? God is perfect. And he doesn't make everybody happy. And he's perfect. And who are we? Are you listening? You must become a servant of the word. Jesus' mother said this. At the, at the wedding feast. This is my son. And whatever he say unto you. Do it. Whatever he says unto you. Do it. What was she saying? He's not going to tell you anything wrong. He's not going to tell you anything detrimental. Whatever he says unto you. It will benefit you. Do it. Are you listening? Now. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Because we are walking in this body, this is not where our fight is. Right now, if you have been out of shape because of somebody, you already lose it. Because Ephesians 6 and 10, I mean 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with the truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The Bible is telling you when you are mad with people, when that are your biggest issue, you have already fallen for the okie doke. The devil has already got you jacked. You're already losing. You can't win. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience once your obedience has been fulfilled. 
Are you listening to me? Cast down everything that will rise up against the knowledge of God. The problem is people don't have much knowledge of God. So they don't know what's rising up. They think that's them. They think it's their wits. It's, they think it's their smarts. They think it's their understanding. But when that thing comes up and competes with the word of God, you need to know this is a flesh tactic. It is trying to bring you out of the realm of your power and your authority and your dominion. But it feels so good. It feels so good. Boy, when you're walking in the flesh, it just feels good. That's why we get addicted to it. Because it makes us feel important. It makes us feel good. You know, the Bible says that when you find somebody that's just stubborn, the Bible says stubbornness is as idolatry. Why? Because you made a God out of your own thinking. That's idolatry. You made a God out of your own thinking. In other words, the word of God has to compete with how you think about it. And if you are not satisfied with it, it doesn't matter what God thinks. Let me tell you something. The war that we fight is not a fleshly fight. And I can tell you this too. Fleshly control is evidence of losing the battle of the mind. Fleshly control is evidence of losing the battle of the mind. When your flesh has got so much control over you to where it dictates what you do. The Bible says walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the dictates of the flesh. Fleshly control is evidence of a carnal mind of the battle of the mind. Now I'm going to tell you why all of this is so important. Do you understand that the Bible says in St. John, well, I, I, won't, I won't get to that yet because there's a couple of things I want to point out because to show you how relevant this is. The Bible says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exhausts well, that it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, there is, there's, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, here's what I want to get to. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's what I want to get to. The word stronghold, that's very important. Did you realize that a spiritual stronghold is a habitual pattern of thought that's built into one's life, a stronghold. I've seen people right now, not, 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 understand what I'm saying. Understand what I'm saying. I've seen people right now who get angry with you if you start talking about any type of prosperity in the body of Christ. And it's almost like they reject that notion. Now, First of all, I do realize there's a lot of people that have misused this and they have talked about prosperity and made it above doing the will of God. 
The Bible talks about that, that they suppose that gain is godliness. I'm not talking about them. There's folks that tell you, if you don't get in this thing and the word of God can't bring a dollar in your pocket, I'm telling you, you're doing something wrong. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people that have misappropriated and misused the word of God in order for gain. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, listen to me. The Bible says in St. John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. In other words, the reason the devil came is to take everything you got, your righteousness, your godliness, your holiness, your finances, your family, everything that could be considered your possessions. But then the second part of that scripture says, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, my point is, there's a lot of people who fight against the fact that God wants you to have an abundant life. Why does God want you to have an abundant life? So you will have to give to someone else. He told Abraham in Saint uh, Genesis chapter 12, he said, in you, verse three, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. This is the reason why God wants you to be blessed. So you can be a blessing. Some people got it in their mind. If you start talking like that, immediately they reject the knowledge of being blessed. They think that's synonymous with being uh, uh, humble. But it's not. That's not the same. You can be blessed and humble. Are you listening to me? Now, the point that I'm trying to make, and I want you to really get this, there are strongholds made up in your mind that you, over the years, have pondered a certain thing so much. There are people right now that you don't like, and you don't even know them. You know why? Because your mindset. You believe you know them. Which brings me to another thing. One of the greatest weapons the enemy uses is not what has happened to us in our life. It's not what was said to us in our life, but the story we told ourselves. Most people are bound by their self-convincing story. You don't like people and you don't even know them. It's just something you looked at, you misunderstood, and someone else told you, or even the devil told you, this is what they are, and this is what they meant, and this is how they feel about something. And you've told yourself that story so often to right now you can't stand them, and you don't even know them. Or is it possible, just possible, you could be wrong? Whoa, is that possible? It's the story you told yourself. My wife and I were talking about this, about that self-talk. You got to be careful about that self-talk. That self-talk is powerful. It is. It is so because over in Matthew uh, 9, 21, the Bible talks about the woman with the issue of blood. And this is what it says. 
that she had lost everything and she was to a place of desperation. The only thing that delivered her was her self-talk. The Bible says she said within herself. She said within herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. The same way she got the benefit of self-talk. You have to be careful. The Bible says, let the light which is in thee be not darkness. You got to be careful what you tell yourself. Your greatest enemy could be your mind. It could be building up a case against your life, your prosperity, your progress. And the people that you can't stand is the people you probably need to befriend. Because if you look at it, it's obvious something going on with them that's not going on with you. Are you listening to me? In other words, what am I saying? You need to give people a chance. <laughs> you need to look at the trees and see what fruit is on the tree. That's another story we'll talk about, that self-talk. Now, you got to understand something here, guys. The mind is the citadel of the soul. It is the place where strongholds are erected. Control the mind, control the man. That is the citadel. That is the, 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 that is the uh, 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 fortress. That is the higher ground of the place of dominion. If you control what a person thinks, you can control what they do. Are you listening? And if God can't control your mind, that's why he told you in Romans chapter 12, he told you to renew your mind. If he can't get you to think like him, he can't get you to do like him. Are you listening? Make no mistake about it. Your, your cardinal mind does not have the capacity nor the ability to do or act like God. And you only fool yourself if you think that you're smart enough to not know God, not know how God feels about things, not know how God thinks about things, and you think you can do like God. You can't. That's pride again. You can't. Renewing your mind occurs when you create a habitual pattern of thought. You have to think constantly like God in order to be like God. You can't just think a, a thought whenever you need to get out of trouble and say, let me read this scripture right here because this is the way I get out. Listen, this is the reason why so many people's prayers are not answered is because they don't really believe them. What do I mean? They don't believe them. You can't believe the word of God because you read it one time or because you read it occasionally or you read it when you get in trouble. You're not in belief or faith. You're in desperation. And they wonder, I'm waiting on God. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you to believe it. But you don't believe it because guess what? You haven't heard it enough. In order for you to come out of the dilemma, in order for you to come out of the sickness, in order for you to come out of the bad marriage, in order for you to come out of the discontentment, you're going to have to get the word of God and you're going to have to get it on a continual basis until that thing is like a bottle, a glass of water and it's dirt down at the bottom. Every time you shake that thing up, that dirt comes back. 
You got to continue to pour water in that thing until you flush all of the dirt out of it and everything that remains is pure. You got to get those old thoughts out of your body because every time you get shook up, you go back to the same place of conformity and you act like you used to act. That's because you never been flushed. Are you listening? You only put the water in a little bit when it didn't disturb what was at the bottom. And the bottom is never disturbed until you get shaken. <laughs> well, amen, anyhow. Now, this is the reason I'm closing with this. This is the reason why it is so detrimental. How you think your pattern of thinking. Did you realize your mind alone can separate you from the victorious life. I come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. You might have it victoriously. A victorious mindset. Thinking on a higher level. Do you realize I remember when I was out there in the world, I didn't want to hang out with Christians because I didn't think like Christians. Do you realize that you can be associated by the level you own, by the people that you like to hang out with? Why? How can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos three and three. If this is no, nothing against anybody in particular, but if you love basketball, you don't hang out with golfers. And until you want to learn the game of golf, you won't keep hanging out with basketball players all the time unless they either play golf or you continue to play basketball. You can be identified with your with the crowd you like to hang out with because you can't walk together with someone that you don't agree with. You can never raised to a higher level. Listen, I know you get what I'm saying. I have a desire at some point to play golf. And as I continue clearing out my schedule from a whole lot of stuff, then if Jesus tarry, I'm going to play golf. But if you don't play golf, you can't show me how to play golf. And if I want to stop playing basketball and go play with golf, don't judge me. If you want to hang out with me, come play golf. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? All I'm saying to you is, is that people associate with those of like precious faith. Why? Because it's comfortable. I'll prove that to you here. I'm closing with this scripture. And the Bible says in 1 John. Chapter 3. Verse 2. Beloved. I wish above all things. That thou mayest prosper. And being helped. At the degree at the rate, at the proportion that your soul prospers, your will, your mind, and your emotion. 
you will prosper and you will walk in the victorious life at the degree that your mind is renewed. If you don't renew your mind, it is impossible for you to live at a higher degree or higher level. Not because you knew of the word, you got to constantly feed yourself in the word. Are you listening to what I'm saying? A prosperous soul creates a prosperous life. A victorious soul creates a victorious life. And the minute your soul becomes victorious, you will not like to be around people who complain all the time. You will not like to be around people who belly ache all the time. You will not like to be around people who have excuses all the time. You are not. It's impossible that you can enjoy that if you are somewhere else. Because you don't like to hear people gossip. You don't want to hear all of that. Why? Because you are on another level. And it's not because you decided to leave them. The word of God, the Bible says, will cause a variance. And all of a sudden, your desires will change. So the thing that will separate you from a victorious life is the rate that your mind is renewed to the thing that gives you the victorious life. Paul said it in Acts 30, 22. I commend you, therefore, brethren, unto the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. If your inheritance is still on the table, it's because you have not acquired the word of his grace. It comes back to this. Yes, we have to do something. <laughs> we have to do something. Our labor is in the word of God, not in the natural. Our labor is in the word of God. So until we come back again, I want to encourage you. Become a student of the word. Become a servant of the word. The word is the highest authority. There's nothing or anyone that has the right to be placed above the word of God. So I encourage you, follow the word. If this has been a blessing to you, join us. Be a part of us. Be a part of what God is doing. If you're convinced that this word on a continual basis is for you, Commit to the word. Amen. Commit to the anointing. And if it's not for you, find what is for you. I'm telling you, find what is, because you're going to have to believe somebody. So until we see each other again, until we, we, we if Jesus tarry, until we come back together again, Whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, don't be confused in your mind when you're doing it. That's the only way you'll be able to keep it real. 